0: tonight and, and he was teasing me this after or before the service tonight he said I was gone all summer and you made it from chapter 11 to chapter 12 and <laughs> and John and John but anyway um, I hope you're enjoying that study even though it <laughs> I'm pretty sure this October will be three years we've been in that um, in that study. And now I just marvel. I used, to, I used to look at preacher and go, man, how in the world can you preach for 36 years in one place and not repeat stuff? And now I'm like, how in the world can you ever get to it all? Yeah. There is so much in the Word of God. Well, the intent of our current Sunday night series is to make application from the children of Israel crossing over Jordan River and into the promised land as they surpassed 40 years. And I don't know what happened here, but we're going to pray. Ken, can you start that, brother? Uh, start praying for that. And uh, if I don't hear that click on, we're going to have a one of those fainting revivals. And so you said something about getting Pentecostal, and so that's what we'll do. Um, And so anyway, we're trying to make application, or I'm trying to make application, I guess, of Israel crossing over the Jordan River into the promised land after 40 years and and how that relates to us surpassing 40 years as a church. As a reminder, our theme this year is from Deuteronomy 2.7, hanging on the walls back there. That's getting slain in the spirit, sister. Amen. (laughs) If you're visiting with us, Sunday nights are always just wacky. Um, Deuteronomy 2, seven: These 40 years the Lord thy God hath been with thee, thou hast lacked nothing. Now, where we left off last week, the children of Israel were standing on the edge of the wilderness. They are on the edge of the promised land, and Canaan's land is in sight. They're just about to go in, and remember, it's been over 400 years since the promise was given to Abram that they would pass over into this land. It has been 40 years since they had been in the wilderness. And after all of that time, two and a half tribes decide to stay on the east side of Jordan. But that isn't what God had in store for them for their inheritance. And I need to clarify something I said last week Uh, I made mention of how how God's promised land did not include the east side of Jordan, and that's pretty misleading because um, the the misuse of terms between inheritance and promised land, I was just kind of grouping those all together. Canaan land, where God was leading them to, was the place of their inheritance. The Bible is clear. And it's true that was on the west side of the Jordan River. Their initial inheritance wasn't to be on the east side. However, When you look at the land size that God promised Abram, it would go all the way to the river Euphrates, uh, to the Mediterranean Sea. Sea. And so the land was actually much larger. Anyway, I caught that as I was going uh, over my my notes, and I didn't know if anybody else caught that, but I wanted to clear that up. And usually when I try to clear something up, I probably make it what you understood and made it more complicated. And um, you're supposed to know exactly what I mean when I say it. And so... um, I'll just leave it at that. Now, God desires for all His children to be brought all the way into the promised land where we all can enjoy His full blessings. Good is the enemy of best. And the tribes of Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh chose what they saw was good over what God had for them the best. And, And I don't want us as a church to ever settle where good is good enough. We surpassed our Easter attendance this morning, but that's not enough. Say, well, how many is enough? Well, last I checked, there's over 70,000 in Rapid City. You going to build a church that big? Why not? Let's reach them. Amen. Well, anyway, um, I don't want some of you to run out of here scared, so uh, we'll just get back here, but... Don't settle for what's good enough. Um, This isn't all that God has for us right here. Let's not grow content with the blessings we already have because we are very blessed. Remember that in the land there was going to be rest, safety, and joy. And don't you know that the two and a half tribes that stayed on the east side were the first ones that were taken captive. Because they had forfeited their safety by not going in where God had them to be. And so, we as a church, we must cross over. Uh, don't be content, but let's go in and get God's best. Amen. I don't want it to say be said of us one day that we decided to stay in the wilderness. Yep. Yep. I hope that everyone here will join as we seek to cross over into God's best. Now, for tonight... Joshua chapter 1, let's, we finally got to the book of Joshua in this series. Let's, let's read verses 1 through 9. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant is dead, now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give them, that I do give to them, even to the children of Israel." Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses, from the wilderness of this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites, unto the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage? Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Now I foresee us returning to these set of verses in the future because there's just so much here. But the message I want to concentrate on tonight is this idea of being strong and of a good courage. The, the message to be strong and of a good courage, it actually begins back in Deuteronomy chapter 31. Moses told Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 6. Um, he, he said to them, be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with, that doth go with thee, he will not fail thee nor forsake thee. And then Moses specifically says to Joshua in the sight of all Israel in verse 7 there, and Moses called unto Joshua and said unto him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and of a good courage, for thou must go with this people unto the land which the Lord hath sworn unto their fathers to give them, and thou shalt cause them to inherit it. And then in verse 23, we read again of Moses telling Joshua... And he gave Joshua the son of Nun a charge and said, Be strong and of a good courage, for thou shalt bring the children of Israel into the land which I swear unto them, and I will be with thee. And then we get to the book of Joshua, chapter 1 here. Moses has passed off the scene. And God then says to Joshua in verse 6, Be strong and of a good courage. In verse 7, Only be thou strong very courageous. In verse 9, be strong and of a good courage. And I think we can agree tonight that God wants us to be strong and of a good courage. What does that mean? To be strong, it means to fasten upon. The first occurrence of this Hebrew word is translated as laid hold, like laid hold upon. Uh, To be of good courage means to be mentally and physically alert and steadfast. And we'll consider this more as we go, but why in such a short amount of time here do we read, Be strong and courageous six times? Three from Deuteronomy 31 and three from Joshua 1. Well, one reason that isn't explicitly stated but can certainly be inferred is because Moses, the servant of the Lord, has died. We are told twice in the first two verses that Moses has passed off the scene. And I don't know about you, but when I read that Moses didn't get to go into the promised land, it breaks my heart. Because yes. I know what I am. And, and, and yet Moses, who was uh, the, the meekest of all, and, 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 you know, he had some issues there. We'll talk about that. But uh, yet he didn't get to go in, and it just breaks my heart. And and here's the deal. When Moses was leading the children of Israel through the wilderness, there are two times recorded for us that water came from the rock. The first was when Moses was instructed by God to smite the rock, and water would come forth. The second was when God commanded Moses to speak to the rock, and water would come forth. But Moses did not obey God. And in his frustrations, he instead smote the rock twice. And from that disobedience, God told Moses he would not bring the people into the land. The Bible says in Numbers 20 and verse 12, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, Because ye believed me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. What happened to Moses is very unfortunate to our minds. Would you agree? He put up with Israel's stiff necks, their hard hearts, for 40 years. He had probably pastored the largest church, (laughs) maybe ever, and yet he gets to the end It's just sad. But it was his disobedience at the waters of Meribah and Moses' lack of sanctifying God in the eyes of the children of Israel and that he would not get to get into the land of Canaan. So I know there's a lot of disobedience, but I, I think God was, was more upset with the fact that he wasn't sanctified before the children of Israel. You've heard me joke about that last person that had to die before they could go into the promised land and how they probably looked over the guy going, Come on, come on. Um, and that's funny and it makes for good preaching, but scripturally it appears that Moses was the one who was the last one that needed to die because after he passes off the scene, God says, okay, now it's time to arise up and go. Um, The the Bible says of Moses, and we're going to read this again later, but in Deuteronomy 34.10 it says, and there arose not a prophet since, since in Israel like unto Moses whom the Lord knew face to face. When Pastor Williams was still our pastor, he would say he was the best and worst our church has ever had. And he said that because he was the only pastor our church had ever had. But now that I'm pastor, I think we can say that Pastor Williams is the best our church has ever known. And there may not arise another pastor in Liberty Baptist Tabernacle like unto him. But notice how God doesn't want his people sidelined when there's a transition in leadership or when there's a death that takes place. Some are still sidelined because God called home a loved one when they felt God shouldn't have and now they do nothing for God because they're still mad at God. This verse says, after the death of Moses... It came to pass, which means there was a period of time that elapsed. And I'm not suggesting we just need to ignore the death of a loved one because we do learn from Deuteronomy chapter 34 and verse 8 that the children of Israel wept and mourned at Moses' passing for 30 days. And it's my personal opinion that it came to pass after those 30 days of mourning that God spoke to Joshua to get the people up, it's time to go. And so I don't think what I'm trying to say is it's okay to mourn. It's okay to grieve. God gave us those emotions. But when those emotions begin to control us, then there's a problem. When those emotions begin to keep us from walking with God, it's an issue. And so we've just got to be careful to keep all of this in check And I personally don't believe it was long after those 30 days that God said to Joshua, get together, we're we're about to do this. And so um, it was at least 30 days, I think. Uh, There's nothing wrong for weeping and mourning for a season, but at some point God's going to tell His people, you need to get your act together and you need to go forward. I think we've done that pretty well here through our transition, but um, some people really struggle with that. So why the admonition to be strong and courageous? Because Moses, the servant of the Lord, has died. Israel no longer had the man who led them for the last 40 years. This was the man who was sent of God to go down into Egypt to stand before Pharaoh and say, Let my people go. This was the man who would lead them out with God leading the way. This was the man who stood at the Red Sea, hemmed in on, hemmed in on every side, an Egyptian army right behind them, and he takes the rod and he stretches out his hand over the Red Sea, and God parts the Red Sea in two. And they walked across on dry ground. This was the man who was called by God to go up to Mount Sinai and receive the law of God. This was the man who interceded on their behalf, When God was ready to destroy them. This was the man who judged all of the hard issues that came up within the camp. In Hebrews 11, God says of Moses in verses 24 through 29, "...by faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season." Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasure in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. For he endured, not as seeing him, excuse me, as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land. Which the Egyptians are saying to go were drowned. I already read parts of this, but over in Deuteronomy 34, verses 10 through 12, God said of Moses, There arose not a prophet since in Israel like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, and all the signs and the wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh, and to all his servants, and to all his land, and in all that mighty hand, and in all that great terror which Moses showed in the sight of all Israel. This was their leader. you with me? This was the man that God had sent to do all of this through, and now he's dead. And so God looks at Joshua and he says, you need to be strong and of a good courage. Now, it's a blessing from God to have good men of God. Isn't that right? But it's a curse when we put our trust in them. Because people will die, men will fail, men will disappoint us, and Moses did die. Moses did have lapses of faith and judgment, and he disappointed some, and I hope you can tell, don't put your faith in me, were you here this morning, I make dumb mistakes, I get in the flesh. I have made a concerted effort to be more pastorly. Now, what's funny about that is just the other day I was thinking, Lord, I'm, I really feel like I'm doing better. And that's a true story. I was like, Lord, I, I appreciate it. And it's like it's like this morning I go and blow it and God's saying, well, uh, don't get so prideful about you being pastorly. Now, I've asked for forgiveness, and, and the family's been very gracious to me. But I would ask the church to forgive me too because it's distracting. But I want to say this. Thank you for your patience with me as I grow in this role. Um, <laughs> um, I'm really just a doofus from Georgia. That, uh, But anyway, here I am. But I'm just saying this. Mankind will disappoint you. And I've been around enough preachers to know what they say when they hit their thumb with a hammer. When they get a bird's nest on their fishing reel. You know what I'm saying? Man will disappoint you. Mankind will die off the scene. Man will sin. But God will never disappoint us. God will never die. And God will never sin. Therefore, we need to keep our eyes on God. And so... When it was time for them to move forward, we see in verse 1 that God now speaks to Joshua, Moses' minister. To be a minister means you're a servant of another. Joshua served Moses and in so doing, he was also serving God because Moses was the servant of the Lord. I hope you follow my thinking there. Many have a zeal for God after salvation many of us have experienced that and then some of those they want to they want to lead right away they want to preach they want to pastor they want to take over a ministry but the problem is many have not yet learned to minister many have not yet learned to wait upon their elders many have not yet learned to clean a toilet many have not yet learned to serve tables Many have not yet learned to cut the grass outside. Many have not yet learned to pick up a shovel and and move some of the snow out. And and I'm just simply, not, not here, I'm just simply saying that there are places that we have to learn how to serve before we can expect to be entrusted with more. And if you desire to lead, you have to learn how to serve. Because here's the truth. When you lead, you end up serving more than you ever did back there. (laughs) I remember when I was enlisted. Man, I can't wait to get my commission and become an officer and and, uh, I'll be running the show here. (laughs) Well, when I was an enlisted guy, I just had my master sergeant to report to. And then I became an officer and now I've got group commanders and squadron commanders and the wing commander and then I go to Minot and there's two wings. So I got twice the squadron commanders, twice the group commanders, twice the wing commanders. And it was just like... Boy, I, made, I didn't quite think this through. <laughs> now, not to get into all this, but if you'll research Joshua's life in the days of Moses, you'll find him to always be in obedience. He was always in obedience to God and God's man. This is part of the reason why Joshua was the one that God selected as Moses' successor. So God now speaks to Joshua, and I want you to take this in a good sense, God is going to direct Joshua's attention off of Moses and to God. And I'm not saying that Joshua had an issue with it. The Bible doesn't say that. But God still encourages Joshua who had lost, he had just lost his earthly leader, the man that he had served. And, and God's going to come along and he here in this chapter we just read or these verses, he's going to get Joshua to focus his attention not on Moses, but on his heavenly leader. And I'm probably not using the best choice of words in all of this, but I'm going to say it this way. God reminds Joshua of some things to keep him focused upon God in order to be strong and of a good courage. First, we see in verses 2 and 3 that the vision Moses was leading the children of Israel in wasn't Moses' vision, but it was God's. Let's look at those two verses again. It says in verses 2 and 3, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. God is saying, I'm the one who promised the land. I'm the one that gives the land to you. Uh, I'm the one uh, who had this vision. And he says, as I said unto Moses, Joshua, you're not taking over Moses' vision. Uh, You're going to have this idea that, uh, you know, we got to be careful that Moses was going to give you the land, but it was mine to give. It wasn't Moses who set the boundaries. It was me. And I need you to seize upon, be strong, upon that vision, be steadfast, be of good courage in going after it. And I want to apply this thought real quick to us. It wasn't just Pastor Williams' vision to start a church in Rapid City. It was God's. It wasn't just Pastor Williams' vision to start all the ministries. It was God's. It wasn't just Preacher Williams's vision to acquire a print press and start that ministry. It was God's. Is everybody with me? And, and, and I would ask you this, to please pray for me as your pastor that I will have God's vision and not some selfish, self-promoting thing that would just lift up pride but that we would want what God wants for this church. And as we attempt to follow and fulfill the vision of God that He has led us in and is leading us toward, then we we must remember that it goes farther than some little saying on the back wall. It goes farther than just some earthly vision but it's a heavenly vision because it's God's. And and what I believe we can learn from this is we need to lay hold of the vision that God has given and we have to be steadfast in that vision and we have to go get it. Well, I don't know if I like your vision, preacher. Next we see in verse 5, God saying to Joshua, as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. It may have entered Joshua's mind at some point. I know how I felt when I took over for a man that had been here for so long. And somewhere in his, his mind, he, he may have thought, how am I going to do what Moses has done for the past 40 years? I've already kind of hinted at. How in the world am I going to come up with a new message every week for the next 36 years? And I don't know what was going through his head. And, and somebody asked me. Somebody said this when I when I became pastor, and they said, uh, "Those are some big shoes to fill," and they really are when you look at them. <laughs> I, they don't even look like they're tied. Amen, preacher. Mine aren't tied either. And and, and I just said, I can't. I'm not even going to try to fulfill those shoes. We're just going to dip them in bronze and put them on the shelf and say those were the shoes that he walked in. Amen? Because, listen, God has not called us to fill shoes in the sense that we have to mimic the person that God has told us to take over for. We, we don't have to mimic that. Um, God hasn't called us um, to, to just simply try to parrot. Everything that took place the previous 40 years. But God has called us to walk with Him and to be who God has created us. Amen. Moses wasn't great because he was a great man. Moses was great because he walked with a great God. Yeah. Amen. And Joshua didn't have to be just like Moses. He just had to be who God made him. And God was going to have a different plan for Joshua, as we have seen in our text. Moses was called of God to bring the people out of Egypt, to lead them through the wilderness to the edge of the land. While Joshua was called of God to take the people out of the wilderness, into the land, drive out the inhabitants through warfare, and then parcel the land by inheritance. And, and God had a purpose for Pastor Williams. And God has a purpose for my time here. Amen. And while we may not budge, let me, let me say that again. While we will not budge on the fundamentals, Amen. Amen. while we will not budge on the Baptist distinctives, Amen. while we will not change the ministries, there will be a difference between the two. Amen. There will be differences in leadership approaches. God gave our preacher a vision. God is giving me a vision, and they aren't the exact same visions. And we may not do things exactly the same way, and somebody said, yeah, no no joke. But that's okay, so long as it's God's vision. Now, if I leave the King James Bible, if I decide to get up here and preach in a ripped up t-shirt and jeans, if we decide to leave all kind of holiness behind, and if we kick out the choir and replace it with a rock band, then you better drive me out of here, because that's not God's vision for our church. And so I can see where perhaps God is telling Joshua, yes, Moses was a great man, but you don't have to compare yourself or concern yourself with being just like Moses, because I'm the one who made Moses great. And as I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. Now be strong and of a good courage. Look at verse 7. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Moses may have commanded the law to the people, but whose law was it? It's God's law, right? He may have been the voice piece, but it's God's law. And and, and in a sense, I see here, hey, Joshua, that law which is going to guide you, that law which you need to meditate in, that law which you need to obey, that law which will make thy way prosperous and give you good success, that's my law. That's the same law which guided Moses as he guided Israel. And just because Moses is gone doesn't mean you no longer have the law because it's my law. Amen. Now be thou strong and very courageous that thou, may, that thou mayst obey that law. Be steadfast in your obedience to it. You see, the message that preacher Williams uh, commanded us wasn't his message. It's God's. And, and I don't know how a preacher feels about it, but I like what the Apostle Paul says, and this is how I want to end my life. I have held back nothing from you. It's God's law. I try my best to say when it's my opinion. Finally tonight, why did they need to be strong and of a good courage? Notice verse 4, and we'll certainly dig into this more in the future, but... From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. Notice here that they were about to enter the land of the Hittites. And we know from other passages that there were a lot of ites. In verse 5 it's obvious they were going to have to confront those inhabitants because we read, there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. And here's what we need to know as we cross over our 40 years. There will be battles. We'll we'll hammer this point more later in the future, but do you realize there were far more battles in the land than there was in the wilderness? There will be enemies in the way. And I believe the insinuation here is that the enemies would be throughout the entire land. Which we know in the days of David as he conquered them, that's who they were. But if it's what God is calling us to, then God will fight our battles. And really it's when we try to start figuring out that we get problems. God gives the command that's so bizarre to walk around Jericho. And then they get to little old Ai and they plan it in their, their minds and they're defeated. See, if it's of God, we just trust His battle plan. We just let Him fight for us. There are enemies on the other side of 40. And as we've been talking about entering into these great blessings, it almost seems kind of contradictory that where all those blessings lie are where all the enemies are. Why be strong and of a good courage? Because leaders come and go. Now, it's my sincere desire to be here for the next 30 years. I would love to have the testimony of preacher and even Pastor Lydic who's coming. Leaders come and go, and remember, we got to be strong and of a good courage because it's God's vision. Yes. We have to be strong and of a good courage because it's God's word, and we have to be strong and of a good courage because there's warfare. Yes. And here's what I see in this. Kind of just to summarize this, there. There will be changes all around us. Things always change. But God is always the same. Yeah. Amen. And that's why through whatever God has for us, we just keep His eyes, our eyes on Him. That's right. Be strong and of a good courage as we cross over our 40 years. Let's pray. Dear God, we love you. Help our church as we reach this momentous milestone. Assuming you give us enough time to reach that point. And God, we pray that we would keep our eyes on you. We would seize upon your word. We would get into your will so that it will be your battles. And God, I just ask you to help us to catch the vision. This morning was a perfect example of us needing to make some decisions. And God, I pray you'd help us to just be in deep prayer over that and help me as I seek your face in it. I just pray you to make things clear. We love you tonight for Christ's sake. Now, Holy Spirit, we ask you to do what only you can do in the hearts. Amen.